Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Raising Resilient Teens. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm going to be your host for the next 45 minute-ish. Today I'm joined by Jay Rosemary Francis and she's going to be going by the name of Jennifer for today's episode. Jennifer is a divorced mum of three sons, creator of two podcasts, so she's extremely busy there on that front. I don't, don't know how you do it. I'm flat out keeping up with one um, and a true believer that mindset is everything. So literally when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, yes, I need to have you. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sasha. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So to kick us off, um, if you'd just like to tell the audience a little bit or a lot about your story and, and yeah, how you ended up here. Wow. You got all night, do you? Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, as you mentioned, my name is Jay Rosemary. Um, and I am a mother, a divorced mom of three adult sons. And I started uh, my podcast, Solomon's Talk, because when I my my husband walked out and me when my two youngest were two and four. And so it was a struggle raising them. For a long time I thought I was alone and felt sorry for myself. And but then I realized I wasn't alone. And there are a lot of other moms who were raising children solo, like myself. And so that's why I started a podcast. Um I'm semi-retired. I I podcast full time now. And uh my second podcast. And I travel a little bit, um, slow travel a little bit. So that's me. Uh, my son, who's now 19 and a half, um, he left home pretty much packed up all his uh, toys, shall I say, uh, to live with his girlfriend when he was about 16 and a half. And I felt just gutted. Um, it really wasn't a pleasant experience for either of us. And I know in hindsight, I could have and probably should have dealt with that a little bit better. Um, How can any parent really prepare for their kids leaving home? And this is, um, sorry, a really pertinent question because there's people listening and their teenagers will be about to leave home or thinking about leaving home or, or running away. I don't know if you can ever prepare, especially when you're a solo mom. I, for the longest while, I thought that, you know, I can't wait till my kids reach 18. So they could just, you know, go off and be on their own and do their own thing. I was born in Jamaica and usually you can't wait until you're 16 to leave, you know, and it's just a thing, you know. And so I kept saying to my friends, you know, I can't wait until you're 18 so they could just leave. And my youngest didn't leave home until he was 25. And <laughs> I wasn't even at home when he left. And I felt the devastation, Yeah, you know, because even though I said 
I wanted them to leave. When they actually left, I realized that I was now alone, you know, number one. And number two, I worried about them more, even though they were adults that, you yeah. know, I could no longer control the environment. So I don't know if you can ever. Did you mention um, a little bit about the solo mom, single mom? Do you want to just elaborate on the on the differences there? Okay, so um, the difference for me is only in the words, in the terminology, um, because there's a lot of negative connotation around the word single, the phrase single mom. Um, and, you know, whenever you seem to look online, the term single mom, it's all about dating and this loose life. So well, true, yeah. Yeah, you know, which is unfortunate because uh, a lot of divorced mom refer to themselves as single mom because, you know, well, they're single, right? But I, I use the term solo mom to incorporate all mothers raising kids alone. So divorced mom, widowed mom, some of these moms are still married, have a husband, but the husband isn't doing the husband thing or the father. So that's where the term solo mom comes. And what are what are some of the struggles that you've come across um, being a solo mom yourself and having your two podcasts? I think the biggest one is um, coming to terms with who you are as a person, because, you know, before you have kids, you, you, if you, especially if you start early, like I got married the first time when I was 20 and I actually didn't really know anything about family units or parenting or anything like that. I just went into marriage thinking that I was abandoned all my life and now I can make my own family. Right. And when it came, I couldn't handle it because I didn't know how to. I had no clue. And I've interviewed quite a few women who the pattern's the same. You know, yeah. the marriage doesn't work out because you're expecting something from a partner um, that you should be getting from a parent. <laughs> and so the marriage doesn't work out. So the struggle is, is being who you're supposed to be as a person. Self-awareness, being self-aware before you get into those relationship because you you have to be an adult if you want to have a healthy relationship and it's hard to be a, an adult if you're still looking for dad or mom or yeah. you know reassurance of who you are a person so i think that's the biggest struggle so you 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 you're in and out of relationships because you just can't find yourself and was that one of your biggest struggles i think so yeah i think it was after my third divorce i realized that's what it was you know it yeah. wasn't him and him and him it was me because I hadn't figured it out yet. And it, it took me a while to realize what was happening was all me, you know, and it wasn't like I was blaming myself. I just realized I need to be a whole person before I was in a, another relationship. Um, kids in general, I find, are the greatest of teachers um, and they teach you lessons that we really sometimes didn't even know that we needed teaching on um what are some of the lessons that your sons have taught you throughout this process well the biggest one is <laughs> actually my youngest one usually like to tell me you know like for example one time I was struggling to figure out what it was I wanted to do with my life I had a full-time job but it wasn't fulfilling and I keep saying to he keeps hearing me say what did you know I don't know what to do I don't know what to do and she said what it is you love to do mom what do 
you like to do? I said, I love to write. And she yeah. just, and he just went, right, then write, you know? And it was really profound. It was a simple answer, but yeah. it was really profound from my yeah. youngest son. But yeah, right. So, so that's one thing he taught me. And he taught me a lot about faith. You know, I'm a believer, but, you know, as a single mom, I worry a lot, you know, as a solo mom. I worry because I'm alone and all this stuff. And he's usually, my oldest and my youngest are both Christians and they usually encourage me, you know, to have more faith and to, you know, it will work out. I always get that from them. And the third thing is that every now and again, we'll talk about the old days when they were younger. And I would talk about, you know, how it was hard. Sometimes it was hard to find food and stuff. And they would make, you know, they make their face up like that and go, really, mom? I don't remember any of that. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I was there thinking that I didn't give them a good life and they can't remember not having a good life. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. And that's that's wonderful. Um, faith is one of the big things that uh, Bob Proctor taught me. He's my mentor. And it's one of the things within um, the Thinking Into Results program to have faith over fear was there mm-hmm. a time early on when it was the other way, where it was like, holy shit, what's going to happen? And, you know, flipping it back to that to that face? Lots and lots and lots of times. Yeah. Um, it was <laughs> it was any, anything from, you know, I, I had moved to New York City and I had two teenage boys, two black teenage boys in the middle of uh, New York City in the hood. And they would go out, you know, and hang out with their friends. And I know they weren't hanging out on the street, but I would lay awake scared to death, wondering if they're going to be the ones coming home or if some cops going to come to my door. Mm. And those fears were unfounded because my, you know, I was fortunate to have good kids. You know, they, they ran away from trouble. They didn't go to war. But the fear of being in the city with all these kids and alone and all this stuff going on, I was scared to death half the time. Um, but I was able to adjust my way of thinking, knowing that God had everything. And at one point I had to tell him, look, God, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to help. And yeah. and that was one of the things he did. He gave me the peace to know that, yeah, I've got them. And I, my youngest was at 13 was when he gave his life to God because I had, I was overwhelmed. You know, I was at, in a job. I, you know, I was getting, you know, pounded on all the time in my job and I came home and it was two boys. So I had to clean up, you know, because mm. I didn't do a good job of teaching them how to clean up. And so I had to tell the Lord, look, I can't do this. You have. To. And, um, I was fortunate enough to recognize that God could handle it for me. And he did. And, you know, there were so many miracles that I could talk about that he worked, you know, for my good. And I, I, I'm very grateful. You mentioned specifically New York City, two black teenagers, your mm-hmm. words. Do you think it was especially harder for you um, over, you know, dare I say it, you know, white children? Not or necessarily. Or is that just the feeling within you as a mother? So I wouldn't say when it comes to New York City, I don't even know if the color the skin matters in a general sense but to me as a black mother that's what I thought about right um we were in the hood so to you know my my kids were harassed by gang members 
even in school. And I paid for them to go to a private school to avoid it, but it was still in the private school. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't really, from a general point of view, I didn't think to do with race. It was just me as a black, black mother thinking that. Yeah. And certainly sense. like I'm in Australia and, you know, living in New York City is like amazing for me, but um, probably not when you when you go to those certain areas. So it's very eye-opening for me to to hear you talk about it. In the program, Thinking to Results, which I teach, um, we talk a lot about paradigms and how some of the paradigms are passed down through generations and they're not easy to change or override. What is family curse that has followed you and um, you've passed down to your children or one that you've similarly managed to stop and completely cut off? Well, <laughs> one one family um, thing is the not staying with your children, you know, like leaving your children behind in a foreign country or something like that. And I started to do that with my oldest son. Fortunately, you know, he followed me and, and came to live with me after. And when my youngest when my when my husband left me with my two younger I wasn't even tempted to leave them because I was thinking to myself who who's gonna take care of if I leave them and so I've been fortunate that that didn't get passed down to me where I felt the need to abandon my children and leave them for someone else to raise I really can't think of anything else uh, my my mom's and her family and her other family they're they're not I would I would say poverty is probably would probably be one thing but they're not that way you know they they're well off and I haven't seen that passed down. And, and what are some of the great lessons that you've taught them growing up that you can can that you can look at them and go, yeah, I did that. I put that into them. <laughs> well, I'm not really sure there are any of those. <laughs> but um, but I think their their belief that anything is possible. You know, I see. So you know, my my oldest son when I he waited until he he was 37, I think before. Before he got married and wow. he stayed he stayed celibate all that time wow and yep. so yeah and and so I I feel like you know he saw the way his parents were and either run the other way or realized that there was something good there to follow um my two youngest tend to not you know a lot of times you find like boys they tend to go and you know get girls pregnant and you know stuff like that I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had that you know I'm not one of those mothers to say well mine don't and yours does because I know yeah. you can't control your kids but it's one of the blessings that I feel you know has followed my you know my sons and you know my immediate family in that I keep saying to them well just be glad you don't have a child hanging out there you know <laughs> and yeah. some and then some, you know, baby mother drama. So, and that's um, a credit to you, yeah. really. At the end of the day, that's that's a huge credit to you. Yeah. Well, I don't know that okay. <laughs> I'm I'm going to give that to you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, a mindset maven. Let's talk about your thoughts on um mindset and speak about that a little bit because that's um like I'm passionate about it and one of uh, Bob Proctor. 
chapter, he mentions that it uh, success is down to 95% mindset, 5% strategy. What are your thoughts on that statement? Mm, 95%. That sounds about right because... I'm going to give you a little story. I was walking along the beach, right? Along the coastline and the waves were really high. I'm not a swimmer, uh, but I like to walk with my feet in the water. So I'm walking along this coastline and right in front of me, curve, right? And so the waves were crashing against the coastline and there were bushes like a forest jungle type. And I looked at it and I went to myself, I'm too scared to go down there because I don't want to get washed out, right? And I turned around. I turned Turned around by seeing that. And I met a couple and we started talking. I told them what I was trying to do. And the guy said, Let's well, let's see. And we walked and I walked and I walked past this place. I was too scared to go around. And there was nothing, it was no different from where I was walking. Yeah. And I was, man, look at that. And so I realized that a lot of times our mind played tricks on us, telling us that, you know, not safe, can't do that. So don't do it. And we follow that and don't do it it from a solo mom's perspective there were many times I thought I was going to end up on the street with my kid you know because everything looks worse than it really is and when you start play the story in your mind it just get bigger and bigger and bigger the monster gets bigger the more you focus on it and so it it happens with everything in our lives The, the the way we think about things imposter syndrome is all to do with the mindset and how we view what it is that's faith that we're faced and you know from my lifestyle I, I could tell in a lot of things in the past decisions I made were because of what I was decision wasn't good I tell why I made the bad decision because my mind conjure up other things sure so sure. yes and like the scripture said as a man think it so is he it is very very true. yeah do you practice a lot journaling daily gratitude what's your I suppose what's your morning routine look like? I practice transcendental meditation and I also practice, I do journaling. I read the scripture most mornings. Sometimes I get attracted with other things and I like to listen to, I like to spend some time early in the morning, like around 3 a.m. I don't seem to be able to sleep. And that's the time when I will get up and pray. And if I fall asleep, I usually get something, you know, whether it's scriptures or stuff I've been putting some posting some prayers on Instagram and those come from those early morning I I didn't even make them up I I it was it started with it's like you know I'm sleeping and it's like the Lord said look I want to talk to you come talk to me and it's been happening for years and so around those three o'clock hours is when things start you know percolating but good in the brain I was talking to a lady yesterday and she said something um that really stuck in my mind and it's the it's the little things that really grab you and she said journaling is the most underrated tool ever and mm-hmm. I just like I couldn't agree with her more and mm-hmm. I, I it's it's a practice that more and more people should be doing more and more every single day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um I think we're slowly getting there 
Um, yes, yes. There's, I mean, I've been journaling since I was reading. And every now and again, then I go back to what I wrote like 20 years ago. Sometimes it's really re- relevant. And sometimes I go, oh my God, did I really write that? You know? And, and I found that when I write it down like that, it usually comes true. Mm. It, it's just amazing. Yeah. You have, you've got two podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a bit about both of those podcasts and, and what you do now in and how you help solo moms so the first podcast solo moms talk is about is i i tried dart it as a place where solo moms could tell their stories so they talk about their lives their struggles what they're doing now and what binds i like to pick on the mindset so i'll ask them about what kind of struggles they've had and stuff like that and the hope there is that other solo moms will hear the story and realize you know wow that sounds like me you know so they realize they're not alone, right? And also I interview experts uh, in the different fields, the health, uh, financial, um, just anything that would benefit us. And I also try to get with solo moms as often as I can. They could call me, they could text me, they could um, message me online. And I would talk to them about, you know, whatever it is they want to talk to. I have a monthly meetup. You know, it, my, my meetups are usually like free flow where moms, we like, talk really without you know we do like and so uh, yeah <laughs> and so I like to have that forum where you know their moms are free to talk without judgment and and then so uh, tools of the podcast trade is my second podcast that came about one I realized how much I struggle start Solomon talk because I had so many excuses why I couldn't even though I knew I should I kept telling myself I couldn't there's no way I'm going to put my story out there nobody wants to hear my story my voice is not right I don't know I don't know I don't know the mindset thing was really a problem for me and I started a group a meetup group uh, called New West Podcasters and I got the same questions I was asking when I was starting you know and so I realized there are people out there who have questions and I can answer a lot of those questions Uh, I mentored um, someone um, the first year I started podcasting and he was very grateful and wrote, wrote me a testimonial he started a podcast it's very you know it's been featured on cnn and so totally off topic but starting a podcast has been one of the scariest things i've done and i seriously feel like i'm winging it every single day and um you know finding guests to to interview such as yourself it's like committing and it's like i can't i can't not do it i've got to do it whereas if it's like with the solo episodes it's like oh no i'll do it tomorrow I've got so many in the wood woodwork that it'll be like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And it's like, um, yeah. It's yeah, scary. yeah, yeah. It's scary and you can talk yourself out of it. Absolutely. Um, whereas, yeah, if you have a guest, then you, you know, you can. So I remember I went through a period where I was like, oh man, I don't even know if I want to do this again. I don't feel like it. And I'll get on, you know, and start talking to a guest and, and it was, it feels so amazing that I get to talk to somebody in Australia and I'm in New York. York or wherever. I know, it's super cool. (laughs) So, yeah. So... Um, so I do have a, a, like a mentoring group that I, you know, mentor aspiring podcasters because I can talk about the tools and the strategies. And, you know, I've 
interviewed, I think, close to 200 people right now on different topics. And, you know, it's really helped me know that I have a lot that I could offer. So, you know, you can reach out to me. And Yeah, no, it's amazing. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining Thanks. me all the way from New York. It was a bit of a challenge to get you um, on to Zoom today, um, but we got there in the end and it's been an absolute hoot. Thank you so much for your time. I will put all the links to both your podcast and your Facebook, Instagram, socials in the comments. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sasha. I really appreciate you. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao.